Hello, hello, hello. This is the Advance Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a great episode for you today with Malou Peterson. Uh, we talk about the social game, her career, working with Black Crows, and a whole bunch of other stuff, and we kind of get into it for a bit. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Thank you to Malou for spending the time with me. If you have not listened to last week's episode with Glenn Plake, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I also recommend listening to Care Less Do More, which is Michelle Parker's new show on the network. You've probably seen it come through. Uh, that one is doing extremely well for us. And tomorrow she has Brooklyn Bell on the show as well. So be sure to listen to those shows. Obviously subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's what we're really trying to focus on right now is grow that audience a little bit more. Uh, my show in particular is available every single week except for this week because of course as i'm pushing this it is not available but we have a banger banger guest next week and i'm so excited uh, to have that one on youtube as well um so subscribe as i said uh and obviously leave us a review on spotify on apple Podcasts, wherever you listen i really really appreciate that and it helps everybody on the network and helps us grow what we're trying to do here so can't be uh yeah i'm i'm psyched so once again, as usual, thank everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank everybody. Yeah, thank everybody. <laughs> thank everybody so much. Um, before we get into the show, we have a few ads, including an ad from our friends at Alpine Vans. Uh, hit up my friend Todd at alpinevans.com uh, and get yourself a new rig. It is, uh, it's pretty insane to see what this thing is. I got one for the next few months, and it, like, there's literally a house in your backseat. I never thought something like this would exist, and like, I honestly was the first person to shake my head at van life, but man, is it so nice to have a setup like this and just go back to whether it's like you're on a hike, you're on a mountain bike trip, you're skiing, just to have a home base where you literally have everything you could possibly need, including like this one that I'm driving a solar on the roof has a full bed, which like I can, like I'm six foot tall. I can fully barely, um, and I can fully lay out in this bed without a problem. There's a sink. There's a heated closet, which is insane to dry all your gear. So many more features. Hit up Todd at alpinevans.com um, and you can learn so much more. I, I'm, again, hit up Alpine Vans. Same van that Cody Townsend has and uses in the 50 Project. I'm, yeah, I'm completely like over the moon about this thing. So um, next we have... Deuter as a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast, and they make the best bags on planet Earth, uh, including the new Freerider Pro 34. Uh, it is the bag that I'll be using all season. It is the bag that pretty much all of us here at the collective are going to be using. Uh, it's exceptional. You can, if you want more details on it, you can actually see X did a YouTube video. I think he's done two now. Different ways to carry your skis, how to use the bag, and what he keeps in his bag for backcountry skiing. Like those are all those are great assets for you to use. Um, go to Deuter.com. It is Deuter, not Deuter, by the way. Deuter.com, D-E-U-T-E-R.com and, uh, and get yourself a new bag or learn about the product. Like they have so many different options, whether you're looking for a hike bag, uh, a ski pack, a day pack, whatever you're looking for. Even the travel bags are dope too. So check out everything that they have to offer and I will stop selling you on every single thing for the rest of the day. Eh, that's not true. We got a few more ads. So Buckle up and enjoy the episode with my friend, Malou Peterson. Uh, I'm Malou. <laughs> I'm a skier from <laughs> Sweden. And that's it. 
that's it. <laughs> I hate I hate introducing myself. I never know what to say. What do you yeah, so what like somebody asks you like you see somebody you haven't seen in a while in a grocery store and they ask you like what what do you do? Like what's like what's going on in your life? Like what do you tell them? Um I tell them I'm just skiing, traveling, doing the same old I always do kind of what and this is full time for you like this is what you do with the majority of your time is just skiing exploring yeah like winter time six months i just ski every day pretty much and then summer and fall then i travel try and surf when i can and yeah and that's pretty much it how did you get to this point like how how were you able to kind of make that a career path for yourself um I mean, before I made money from doing it, I was doing the same thing. I was just working. And, right. And I think, because I get that question a lot, like, how can you do um, what you do? But I think, I mean, I was doing exactly the same thing when I did my first ski season, but I was working at a ski shop at the same time. Um, so I think it doesn't have to be super complicated. But, of course, it's pretty epic to make money from <laughs> just skiing or uh, traveling or whatever you know right what what's changed right like i think people have this idea that skiing all the time and like making this your life is this wonderful thing and there's no like there's no extra steps to it what what's been different for you working and trying to make that your real reality and it being your reality actually um well, uh, let me use my brain and think. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, honestly, it to me it doesn't feel like that much work since I never I never had a plan to become a pro skier. I didn't know you could be a pro skier until I was like twenty one and was living in Chamonix and I saw this girl that was sponsored by Black Crowd, she was sponsored by Norana, and she wasn't competing or doing um, anything like that. She was just free skiing and steep skiing and was really good at it. And then I was like, whoa, that's sick. And yeah. that opened my eyes to you could actually um, make a career out of it, except for yeah. um, competing, because in Sweden, it changed a lot now, but when I was younger, if you wanted to do something in the free skiing space, um, you had to compete. It was the Swedish Big Mountain Championship was like the one competition, and you had to do that uh, to get into the free ski bubble uh, thing, yeah. kind of. But I never really wanted to do that, so for me, it was really cool to see that you can do it in a in a different way. Yeah. What it feels like you have this your audience is very much like global at this point like people follow you from all over the world um it it seems like people from anywhere in scandinavia like norway sweden and any of these places it feels like they have a connection to people that are outside of their little bubble more so than the athletes that are in the u.s right like it almost feels like they get a built-in audience in like the american and canadian audience Mm -hmm. do you feel like that the case because i i don't know like let, let's start with this i guess who who did you look up to as a pro skier when you were growing up well that's the thing too like when i was growing up um 
I didn't know about all these ski stars in North America. So I feel like no it kidding. was very like separated, uh, yeah. like Europe and the North American ski scene when I was younger. Now it has changed a lot, which is cool. Um, but then when I started watching ski movies, when I was like 19, 20, yeah. um, I, <laughs> so I was pretty late into like the whole free ski uh, world. But I looked up a lot to Matilda Rappaport because yep. she was like the one big free ski star in Sweden. And I mean, she she was killing it. She was sponsored by Red Bull and and did the Freeride World Tour and was such a strong skier and like a person that was really a role model to a lot of women and men in Sweden. So she was definitely the one I was yeah. look, looked up. And then when I started watching ski movies like Angel Collins and the way she rips down spines and Tatum, she has such a nice style. Um, yeah, I look up to pretty much every pro skier. I think <laughs> I think they're all sick. Um, yeah. So what do you think it is that brings people from all over the globe to be attached to the kind of thing, the kind of content that you put out, the kind of skiing that you put out? And obviously, like just the views, the art, the whatever it is that connects people to what it is that you're doing? Um, well, I think it's a, I mean, people love skiing from all over the place. And in my case, me and my friend Kaisa, we started a web series uh, in when we were in Canada. This was a long time ago, but we right. made a YouTube series about ski, the ski bum life. Like we had no idea what we were doing. We'd never filmed before in our lives. Um, <laughs> We were just winging it, you know, and uh, then we got a big following in North America from that. But then also like Sweden is so small if you look at the numbers and rest of yeah. Scandinavia too. Um, so I think it's pretty natural to have a big following in the in the States and Canada as well if you yeah. do the ski thing because the ski community is just massive over there. Yeah. And I also yeah, think funny. that you guys, I don't know, I feel like North Americans, they, they like Scandinavia and think it's a bit exotic, like Northern Sweden yeah. and I don't know. And it is, so I get it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny, that is, uh, that is a thing, that's kind of what I was getting at. It, it feels like people very much attach themselves, like they live vicariously through what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Um, what you talk a little bit about like role models right what does that look like for you do you consider yourself a role model for younger girls is that a thing that you want to be because i feel like every time i talk to someone and i bring up the idea of role models it's it these are all over the place like some people are like i don't give a shit like i don't want to be like i don't want to be a role model it's not a thing i want to do or people have a real goal like they're like i want to impact this or that or the other thing yeah um I think for me, it's not something like, oh, I don't want it at all. I think it's, especially in the climate now on social media and especially how it is in Sweden, like a lot of the role models young women have are maybe not the best ones to have. Yeah. It's very, very much focused on like, I think every single influencer in Sweden has done a boob job. They've done their lips. They've done a fat section, you know? that's like the fashion influencer world in Sweden and it's really, really big. 
And I think most teenagers, they follow that and they look up to that. So I think it's cool if there's other uh, role models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for that, I think it's cool. And for that, I think it's nice to be able to have impact and be something that teenagers can look up to and see, oh, it can be like this too. Like, I don't have to do my boobs to do this, you know? Um, and yeah, I think that's cool. Just show wow. an alternative that to deal? that superficial, crazy world uh, we live in. Yeah, why, why is that such a big deal in Sweden? Like, what? That That's not even a thing that I was aware of that was like, that every outdoor influ or every influencer was doing that kind of thing. Yeah, and now I'm speaking more about like the more fashion lifestyle influencers. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. But that scene in Sweden is huge. And like every young kid, all they watch is YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. And that's the people that they follow. And I think uh, it's nice if there's more options than just that. Yeah. But I think in sure. general, the social media scene with influencers are a lot bigger in Sweden than in many other places. How come, do you think? I don't know. I think we always have been a bit <laughs> in the forefront and like doing, people have been blogging for ages. And it's also yeah. a smaller country, like we're way less people. So when someone gets a little bit famous, everyone follows that person and then it just like grows kind of. Right. Yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. It's a, it's a very, the whole influencer thing is, is a very weird thing to me because there's a lot of benefits to it. It opens up a lot of doors for people, but it's also like how much of it is real, how much of it is fake and how much of that storytelling is, is authentic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It has, uh, I think it has a lot of good things and it also has a lot of really shitty things. For sure. What are, what are some of the things you like about having that type of influence you know as a platform um well one thing is the impact you can have on like young girls in like sweden or wherever in the world to just see that oh wow you can right live life this way uh, i think that's cool because that's what opened my eyes to what i'm doing when i saw someone else doing it um so i think that's really cool and then obviously the fact that you can make a living off of it, I think it's super right. nice. And I think it's in one way, I think it's really cool that money from all type of different brands comes in the hands of, in this case, at least in the influencer business, it's mainly young women. And I think that's really cool that instead of all the money going to, I don't know, a peer agency with like 85% men in the uh, right. in the room that then does the campaign and hires models and whatever so i think it's cool uh that it gets in the hands of women yeah no i agree it people give especially women that are they kind of put on this uh, like this persona of this like this beautiful life this beautiful like beautiful skiing this whole thing i feel like there's like a bunch of hate that goes towards that influencer type whether you're an athlete whether you're just an influencer and i don't and so much of it is not warranted like it doesn't make any sense it's like 
you're you're storytelling you're doing a different thing than what other people are doing and like you said it brings it brings money into the hands of young women that may not necessarily have a platform otherwise so i i'm when people are like hating on especially with skiers it's like oh this person's not as good of a skier this person's not as like like this person's a better skier than this person but this person is getting more money like it's it's very it's a very bizarre thing to me yeah it's uh it's very interesting <laughs> i think and i i get the point when skier says that like money should go towards skiing and athletes that are really good at what they're doing but i think many of the cases when you look at uh people that are purely influencers yeah. um i don't see them getting brand deals with ski companies right like I've never seen that. And maybe I've just completely missed it. So that no. argument sometimes is like, but are they even taking their money? I don't like, I don't know if that is the case, you know? Yeah. And I guess yeah, it's, I, yeah. I don't really think it is right. Like it doesn't make any, it, it's a different thing. And I think like to me, it's also, yeah, being an athlete is one thing, right? But being a storyteller, being able to put out whatever it is a brand wants to be put out into the world. Like if you're better at doing that, that's the marketing, right? Like this mm -hmm. isn't free skiing, isn't a competition necessarily. Like obviously it can be, but that's not <laughs> going out there and skiing and you're telling a story, whether it's for yourself or for a brand, why wouldn't a company want to align with you that way or with someone else that way? Exactly. And I think a lot of the cases when they use like, pure influencers or what that are not athletes i think maybe that's money that would normally go into a magazine ad or that the athlete wouldn't see regardless i think i don't know this i'm yeah, just yeah, yeah. guessing right. so i might just right. be talking shit. um at least i hope it is that way right because in that way i think it can coexist together you know but then also the yeah. world is changing and as an athlete you have to use social media there's very few right. athletes that don't have to do it because they're like legends or like super like one of a kind like the best in the world but right. like most athletes that's very few um for sure no and, yeah i can't think of very many at all off the top of my head it's like candide right like candide doesn't have to have a social presence like he just posts one thing and it goes viral and then he posts yeah. again in a month you know like not but there's exactly. one of them you know like there's yeah. one human like yeah. that in the world exactly exactly so i think um i think everyone has to i mean and sometimes actually I, this might be a very unpopular opinion but <laughs> when you listen to a lot of interviews people are like oh instagram sucks it's so this and i have to post this and it's uh, so much work and i hate it and i think like skiing if it is your job like not every part of your job you're gonna love like there's mm. very few jobs in the world that you're gonna love like i worked at a ski shop i thought some things were super fun and some things when i had to unpack uh, unpack boxes all day i fucking hated it but right, you still right. do it because it's your job and you have to to make money um and especially i think it's instagram is also such a nice platform for fans to connect and like be mm. able to like send a message to 
the skier they've looked at in ski movies forever they couldn't do that before and now they can so sometimes i feel like just post a photo it's not that hard it takes 30 seconds you know right no for sure it's uh, the reluctancy to use it is definitely a, a weird thing to me and like you said i i think that's a good take i don't necessarily think it's an unpopular take i think it, it, you're not gonna love every part of your job right i get it no. if you come in as an athlete and you're you train so hard and you work so hard and you you push and you push and you push and then you see someone like just have a platform for no reason kind of like it's there's like this this envy that people have sometimes but yeah. it, it envy comes across as envy a lot of times like it doesn't come across as like oh i'm great this is that like it's it's this comparison that is so it's it's very toxic yeah it's very toxic and i feel like it's just created a lot of negative vibes in the ski world in general for sure for sure um, it's, yeah, but it's i get it i get it too it. but it's also like if you're a skier that mainly posts ski content you don't want the followers of the person that you just post photos sitting on top of a mountain peak so it's right. like you have nothing to be envy over you know right those people are probably not going to buy your skis anyways um right and I think companies are getting better at seeing that too, because before they just looked at a number like, whoa, they have this many followers, but who are these followers? And are they like engaging mm -hmm. in the content? And are they in the market to buy ski gear, you know? Right. And I think that is a, something that maybe, or maybe people are better at that now, but when you like pitch stuff to companies, I think that's, even if you don't have, as many followers as someone else like your followers has so much more value it's so weird yeah. to say the word followers but that's what it's called so <laughs> you know that is you know when you put it on a pitch deck or you put it on a sheet that's what it's that's what it's called or you look at your insights that's that's what they're called yeah yeah <laughs> so it's yeah i i always kind of go back and forth on this thing where you yes you want to create like authentic and like fresh content all the time but at the same time it's especially with instagram and with tiktok the content that you put out almost has to be it has to be within the same vein it has to be very similar like it has to be catered to that audience almost right so how do you how do you manage that as someone who has a big following on instagram or tiktok or youtube or any of these things how do you how do you decide what you're going to put out into the world for your audience and what you decide that you're going to be like, okay, this is really cool, but it might not be for, it might not be for those followers. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't think too much about it. And I post yeah. <laughs> like, I love surfing for example, but I'm the worst surfer in the world. <laughs> and, the, and the surf content that I put out is like, if you know anything about surfing and you see that you're like, well, that's pretty lame, but I think it's epic. <laughs> So I put it out there anyway, because I'm stoked. As soon as I get like a clip of myself surfing, I'm like, whoa, I'm right. on a wave. And then I'm like, I want to put it out there. Right. <laughs> Even though most of my followers, they want to see like skiing or mountains or, you know. and right. But also the content I make has, hasn't changed since before I had a, had a following. Right. 
I like if I didn't have a big following, I probably would post the exact same I post now, except less, you know. Right. Just maybe less often. Yeah. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it is it's a very strange thing. So let me ask you this then. You you have a massive following. Instagram, for example, changes like their algorithm, right? And now reels are really important. And like I went through, like I do this for everybody, and I'll like scroll through their Instagram and I'll just like see what I'll notice or see what I'll find. But it's like sometimes you'll have a post that has like a million views, and then you'll have a post that has like two thousand. Like, how do you, as somebody who's a creator, does that not frustrate you? Like, it frustrates the shit out of me when I post something and I'm like, this is garbage content, and I put it out and it does really well, or I put something out and it's like i think it's beautiful like produced content and it does it does completely terrible like i don't understand it's so aggravating for me yeah the algorithms of instagram are <laughs> annoying <laughs> um but i don't know i don't care too much it, but to be honest if i like put some time into making a little edit and make it into real and then like used sometimes you post and you just poof, disappears into the yeah, nothing right. uh, that kind of sucks i don't understand like i don't get it i yeah it's really interesting and like i was at the gopro they had a summit for like athletes and creators and all that and they had a bunch of workshops about social media and the algorithms and it was really interesting um what'd you to... learn from it I learned a lot and I learned one thing that was really interesting to me and that I didn't know before was that Instagram now they're only pushing original content. So before you could repost the video that you posted before. Mm -hmm. And I do that sometimes because like I know this video is going to get a lot of views. Right. And if something goes viral, then your following increases. And that's a good thing. Um, but now you can't do that anymore <laughs> and yeah. like for and also they you know like i don't know what's it called like pow guide or something they just oh yeah yeah the Google repost content. accounts yeah like that won't really work as well anymore yeah that's what tiktok is almost though like you scroll through tiktok and you're like oh cool this 20 of the same accounts just posted the same video of the same person doing the same thing yeah like, also it's the worst because it's like no credit to the skiers no credit to the creators it's always yeah, like yeah. it drives me insane yeah yeah tiktok is crazy i just started tiktok and oh. i have no idea what's happening on that app <laughs> i'm sorry it's so bad it is bad it's... um it really is but there i feel like too it's like you know i might as well try and it takes me two seconds to upload a video so yeah um so let me ask you this then when you're trying to work with a brand or you're approaching a brand or you're re-upping with a brand that you already worked with how do you how do you approach that conversation well if i'm approaching a brand i put together like every year i put together like a presentation pdf i'm like this is me this is what i've done these are the ski videos i've, I've done uh this is my like the community that i have these people follow me these are their ages it's it's cool with Instagram that you can like track like who it is that follows you a bit, which is really nice and beneficial when you're trying to get money from a company because <laughs> you can tell right. them who like exactly are viewing uh, your stuff. And then I put together a bunch of ski photos and 
then I, I send that over and say, hey, I love your your brand. You guys want to work together? We can do it in these different ways. And I'd love to talk more. And that's kind of how we go about it. And just kind of fish until somebody like actually bites on the on whatever the deck is or the PDF or whatever. I've done so many PDFs. Like I probably done like <laughs> hundred PDFs, and it's cool. Like in my first couple of years, I sent them to everyone. Like every single ski company there is, I sent it, and so many never replied. But you know, some did, and then that got the ball rolling, and that's. You just need one to say yes, and then you can move move from there. And it's so yeah. much nicer now when brands approach you. You have such a such a bigger advantage uh, than For when sure. you approach them. For sure. How, when you're approaching them or when they're approaching you, like what? I think people think like, okay, I have this sponsor, right? They're just my general sponsor right they're not for a specific person they're just they're just there and sometimes that's the case right with like a ski partner or a ski sponsor they want they want you to ski the product they want you to basically be a representative for the product and that part's pretty clear but a lot of times when you work with all these other brands they like they want to do a one-off or they want to do a series for something or they you're pitching them on this idea how do you go about valuing what you do then right like how do you figure out like i'm worth this amount of money like to this brand at this time and i i think there's there's also something that should be said and it's it, all things are not the same right you could do a video for a brand that makes t-shirts and a brand that makes skis and i think the value that you bring to that brand is very different right so sometimes that price reflects that yeah oh yeah like i have some contracts that i have is like the same that i would get if i do a two posts on Instagram and that's for a whole year, you know, but that's still worth it to me because one, I would never like those brands would never do influencer deals anyways. Right. And I love their products and they also support me with budget for film projects. So then it makes like for me a lot of sense, even though it initially might not look like the best deal, you know? Yeah. And, oh my God, it's so hard to know how much you're worth. And I've, <laughs> signed, I've signed some horrible things in my life. Like I've signed my life away. Because uh, <laughs> I didn't know and I like I had no one to ask. I probably could have asked someone, but I, just, I was just stoked to get a little bit of money for doing this. I thought it was amazing. Right. And also at the start, I mean, you're not going to get it a crazy deal when you start you you gotta start somewhere but uh, in sweden it's like not anymore but before there was this energy brand that sponsored a bunch of people and they pay them like two grand to have like a sticker all over their helmets yeah and it's like no one sh should say yes to that you know <laughs> <laughs> i think um but like i if they would have approached me, I probably would have say said yes, because right. also two grand that pays pays me for a month, so I can shred all month, and that's you know, so I I get it, but yeah, but yeah, now, it's hard. Yeah, but now just I think one thing that really helps is just talking to people that are in a similar position, and like how much do you get for this, and like just be, I know it says in your contracts you're not supposed to, <laughs> to talk about it, but 
I, that only protects the companies. So, I mean, you can vaguely speak about it without saying exactly with your friends that works with the same thing because that just means you guys are just going to get paid more. Because if everyone gets what they deserve, it's better for, for everyone. For sure. And yeah. yeah, it's also been, actually, I know a lot of people say, and it is too, that the influencer thing is just really bad for skiing, but at least in Sweden and with Swedish companies, it's kind of have forced them to pay us the same as they pay pure influencers. Because mm. we know what they get paid for a post. And if they don't pay similar to us that does the same thing, but also are exclusive for the brand, uh, they get our name and our likeness and blah, 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 all that thing, that doesn't make any sense. So now we really have something to like, well, you pay them that much, you pay me half. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so that has helped pay us more a lot. What? Why? Like that? Okay, so this is my problem. Like, I don't know why anybody signs these deals that like say you can't talk about it, right? Like, that's the stupidest thing to me. I understand why people sign because there's not a lot of other options, right? But like, that should be a thing that you're able to talk about because you're right all it's doing is protecting the brands from having to spend more money and it's like if you're not going to pay someone what they're worth you don't get to use them like it's fine yeah right like it's okay to want to work with this person or this person but if like your values don't align and the money doesn't align for that individual then you don't get it right so why why are those in contracts why do you find that you still sign those kind of deals like what i, I don't know like that that I talked about the same thing when I had him on last week and he was like saying it's like you actually can't talk about what you get paid and it doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me no it makes no sense <laughs> but I still, <laughs> that I, I still have that in my contract <laughs> why also, you don't want to be a pain in the ass you know Ugh. which is is stupid and but for me, it's like, that's just a battle I feel unnecessary for me, although it is just protecting them. Yeah. And I think um, it's preventing, it's making issues for people long term too. like the next generation. It's like, they're not going to know, like people only talk about how much money they made when the contract's done. And then it's in the past and you have no idea what's current, right? Because it can change so much in the span of five years, like what brands are spending with certain people. Like it's so volatile when you it comes to like what brands budgets are it's like especially like you look at a year like like take covid for example it, everything changed right the way that people budgeted themselves during that time was totally different than on a normal year and even now like coming out of that the way people are treating their budgets is is very is very different so uh, i feel like there's got to be a change made in that respect like for us, for example, like every contract or every sponsorship deal we sign, we make the contract and we mm -hmm. send it and then we get it signed. Like we've never, I, to my knowledge, I don't think we've ever signed a deal that has like a we can't talk about it clause because like I want to be able to talk about it. Right. Because that's the whole point. Like it's yeah. not to be like, oh, we make this much money. That's, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> like look how look how rich we are because nobody's getting rich. But you should be able to know. Because if you don't know, you very well might be underselling yourself. And I think in most cases, people are underselling themselves. Yeah, 100%. It, yeah, I mean, or 
very rarely are people overselling their situations, but it just seems unfair to the people that these brands are using for the content that they that sells their product. Yeah, no, I I agree with everything you said. <laughs> so what changes? I, like, how does it change? Like, how does does it change? I, I guess is the I next question. It's it's simple. You you say I don't want to have that in my contract. Yeah, and I've never actually said that to any of my sponsors or anyone yeah. I signed a contract with. Um, and it's yeah. probably not a problem at all. Maybe I just have Maybe. to. <laughs> I have. I have I have to try it next time. But we yeah, said I mean, you have and to you're right. But then everyone has to do it. Exactly, exactly. Because but, if the next person doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. I, it is I, weird. <laughs> I, I have a hard time with it. I, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. But I guess we'll kind of see what happens with it long term. <laughs> but I think to your point about not wanting to be like a pain. I think mm -hmm. there's some validity to that too, right? Because I think there's there's very much two sectors of people, right? It's like there's people who play the game and they figure out like this is the game, this is what I have to do to make the brand happy. I'm gonna be easygoing, I'm gonna be happy, I'm gonna be grateful, and this brand will want to keep working with me. And then there's other people who are online and they're like, fuck everything. Like everything's like this is all bullshit. Like we're tearing it all down and we're lighting it on fire. It's like that's cool, but you're all like nobody's gonna want to work with you unless it's somewhere like at least leaning towards like, hey, yes, I want to make changes, but I, I'm going to be accepting of some things. So it's it's hard to find that line. Interrupting this episode real quick to talk about the lovely people at Gravity Grabber. I have not enjoyed working with anybody probably as much as I enjoy working with Gravity Grabber. The product is insane. It's simple. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. Just hold your skis, hold your snowboard, hold your ski poles, hold your broomsticks, hold your baseball bats. Uh, this thing uses this wonderful thing called gravity to hold all of your gear. And more importantly, it makes your house not look like a dump. Okay. It makes your gear room not look terrible. It makes your closet efficient and, uh, and you can actually store things the way you're supposed to. It is, uh, it's amazing how much it's changed the way we look around this office it is Ethan's new favorite item in the entire world. If you don't know Ethan, Ethan is extremely neurotic and needs everything organized and everything needs to be perfect always. But thanks to the wonderful people at Gravity Grabber, that is now our reality in this studio, as long as I'm not in the building, because I'll make everything a mess. Uh, go to gravitygrabber.com, use promo code out of bounds and save yourself 15% off. Get one for a loved one this holiday. This is one of those things that you may not want to buy for yourself. Um, but somebody will really, really, really appreciate it uh, if you make their life a little more organized, and this is an awesome way to do it. It's clean. They look good. Once again, gravitygrabber.com. Promo code is out of bounds to save yourself 15% off. And our last ad of the day is Rumple. Uh, Rumple makes the best blankets on planet Earth, especially if you're looking for something that's easy to pack, bring on a hike, bring on a camping trip. Uh, leaving your van in this particular case for me. Uh, and honestly, the product is just super solid all around. They have a new Carhartt collaboration that just dropped. And uh, I'm like, I need it. It's I bought it. Like I bought the, it, like I didn't get one for free. I bought one. It's, uh, it's really that good. They also have these wonderful towels that I, uh, that I have made extremely 
I've made good use of this season, I guess in short. Uh, I leave it in my car. I give it a rinse every once in a while. It is like my go-to, I need a towel and I need it now type situation. I use it all summer, just jumping in the river. I'm using it right now, like coming out of the sauna. Obviously a little grosser for the latter, but I have, uh, we figured out a system here. So go to rumple.com, use promo code out of bounds and save yourself some cash on a new blanket towel or whatever else your heart desires at rumple.com. But I think for me, with some of my sponsors, it's been more important issues that like came along that I've been like vocal about and wanting to change. Yep. And then I've a pain. <laughs> yeah, right. So what are then some of those when, issues? Well, I had one sponsor. Uh, we were going to make a ski video. And then they said, we don't have any budget to do it this year, which is fine. You don't always have budget. Um, but then my friend who I was doing the video with, uh, her clothing sponsor came in and said, uh, we can sponsor the video. But I would still be riding in the outerwear I was currently at the time having. Uh, so I wouldn't be wearing any other, other outerwear. Um, but they would have their logo on the film. And then my sponsor said that you can't you can't do it you can't be in the film even if you have our clothes we don't want you in the film and then th then they put me in like a spot where okay you're not going to support my ski video <laughs> and when someone else comes in and supports it and basically pays to have your brand being visual uh what do you say being seen in this film and you yeah. pay nothing and you say no, and you take away for me opportunity to become a better skier and to improve. Uh, that just that, that doesn't make any sense to me. So then I told them like, either you guys pay with budget, so we have your logo in the film too, uh, or I'm not. I'm gonna stop working with you guys straight away because if you don't support, like what I want to do with my career, then it's no point, you know, in us working together. And then they ended up paying for the video. So <laughs> So it's not that they but didn't they, have budget. And they also had budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. So now you're finding like, out. Ugh. So sometimes you have to like really stand up for yourself and I think it's important. But Yeah. Yeah, you can't be a pushover with that stuff. No. That's the thing. But you also can't be like I don't know. You got to be nice too, but not don't let them walk over you. Yeah, there's a lot of that that that's very difficult and it's difficult to navigate like what's what, you know, like how because in the moment you don't necessarily know all the time that somebody's trying to take advantage of a situation and you also don't know like do I feel this way? Is this actually this way? And like how to handle every situation there's a situation i think that'll maybe become public at some point or another about someone that's like was working with a brand and they felt uncomfortable but then like the brand like and the people that work at the brand were like no this person was actually just really mean and that's why we didn't want to work with them not because of any of the other stuff that they just said so it's like oh there there is this thing like yes stand up for yourself for sure like and like that's that's the most important thing is that your value are okay and they're not compromised but you know a lot of the people that run the brands are real people too so it's like it, if you're not easy enough to deal with they're not they're just not going to deal with you it's like it's like any job if you go and you were unpacking boxes at a ski shop 
<clears throat> and the whole time you're just complaining about packing boxes, like you're not going to have a job for very long because no. yeah, you, you <laughs> might be morally against packing boxes or unpacking boxes, but <laughs> that's the job you signed up for. Right. Like, and you got to give a little. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And like most people and most like people working at brands are really nice people. Like sure. I like everyone yeah. I work with and yeah. I know they also want to do all these things but they also have bosses and their bosses have bosses so it's like right yeah it's right. Uh, tricky sometimes but yeah but you've managed to navigate it pretty well it seems like so far yeah and i mean like i said i signed some really stupid shit in my life like one contract <laughs> I said we will own your photos for forever pretty much and <laughs> And at the time, I didn't realize the values of photos. I was like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but now it's like you can sell a couple of photos for a lot of money, which they are worth. Uh, right. Um, yeah. Me, so I learned the hard way in a lot of ways. Let me ask you this then. It, one of the things with social media and the Internet that I see, especially photographers complaining about all the time, is that like people will take these beautiful photos and they'll put them on Instagram and then companies will just ask to repost and not give them any money. Right. You see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that very much dilutes what the photography market looks like. How as a creator, how do you protect the stuff that you make? in a way like in an environment where everything is available and so many people can put stuff out for free yeah it's uh hard and like so many times i see my, like some of my ski clips on these like repost pages and they have not even asked me or tagged me like yeah sometimes i'm like whatever you don't have to ask me but tag me you know it's not uh, which is like the bare minimum it is the bare minimum at one time this ski shop started using a photo of me like with my ski goggles because they sold the goggle brand i was wearing at the time and like promoted stuff with that and then i was like whoa dude this is illegal you can't do it and then they took it down um but it's yeah. so hard to know when people steal stuff but normally people see it and tag you or message you or whatever yeah. but yeah i feel point. for all the photographers it must be a pain yeah for sure yeah, a friend of mine. Frustrating. yeah it's especially like that's the other thing too right it's like instagram started as this photo app and now it's like this weird video situation like every photographer yeah. i know with a massive following is like fuck this shit i'm out like this is dumb i spent yeah. my whole like last 10 years like creating this brand and now it's like nothing i do is worthwhile in the same way that it was before yeah no and like I really love photos and I that's also why I really loved Instagram so it's I get that people are bummed now and it's less and less and less yeah. uh, of that but I th what can I you think do? there will be I think there'll be a correction like I think there'll be some like it'll come back towards the middle I think a little bit because there are a lot of people that are just aggravated and it's like they had IGTV right like last winter it yeah. feels like and that mm -hmm. shit sucked like people yeah. put stuff out on it, but it sucked. It, now they're doing reels and it's like, yeah, there's some stuff that's really good. And there's, there's a lot of quality content that goes out there, but like, <laughs> there's so much just gar like, even like I posted a reel this morning of like throwing a ski in the garbage basically. And I guarantee you that'll be the best <laughs> reel that we post in the, in the last six but, weeks. But 
it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. So how, what do you have? So like you go in, this is actually the most stressful thing I think about being a creator to me. So you'll actually be helping <laughs> me out a little bit here. I think when you go into a season, how do you plan it in a way that makes sense? Because like, I'm, I'm in this situation now where I have more free time than ever, right? Like this is what I'm doing for my full-time job. So I, but I have so much time. Like, I don't know what to do with it. Like there's so much, you have no time, but so much time at the same amount. So like, how do you figure out what needs to be done? How do you organize yourself going through a season to be like, look, I have these commitments. I need to get these things done and I need to do them by this date. Like, how do you, how do you organize yourself to treat this like a job? Um. Well, for me, I mean, I'm every year I try to make one like ski project. So for me, the whole fall, I like send pitches to different companies of things I, I want to do. Like last fall, we did a short, no, not last fall. Last winter, I did a 10 minute short video that will go live here soon. So then I spend most of my winter with the little budget I have to do that, you know? And then I'm just skiing every day. And when I'm skiing, it's really easy to make content or take a photo or whatever. <laughs> But in the winter, I just want to film as much as I can with uh, the little budgets I can. And uh, yeah. and then when I send the, once again, all the PDF things that I do, yeah. um, like I sell the spot in the video and they also get content because that's what's mostly valuable for companies. Um, and then I just make sure I get get that done. But yeah, I don't know if that answered your question sort of i'm still stressed about it like it's i still don't know <laughs> what uh like it, it's just hard because you have the time and you're like you're figuring out like what are my priorities and how do i make sure that these things get done but you know i think it, it's definitely a different thing right like we have like different obligations but you just find that and maybe for you it's different right because you can just go skiing like you can just go skiing and not have to really like worry about it and the content kind of makes itself because you're just out there it, yeah and i mean like when we film for the films we like that takes a lot of effort and time and a lot of planning sure. you know then we just don't go out and ski the resort you know right you guys kind of have a have a plan um let me ask you this uh and then i'll, I'll let you get out of here shortly here but when you're when you're deciding to work with a ski brand right like working with armada for example like how do you decide this brand or that brand is who I want to work with, you know, whether it's with a, there's a million brands out there that you could work with, but why, why do you pick the brands that you decide specifically with hard goods, I guess, right? Because the gear, like the hard goods gear, the skis, the boots, the bindings are the most important gear probably that you'll actually, that you'll be on as a sponsored athlete. And it's the main, it, it's like your main selling tool, right? Like if you're on a brand, everybody else like will look at that brand and now consider them as as an option in their buying experience. So when you're looking at a company, how do you decide like this is the right brand for me? This is the right fit for me? Well, for Armada, I mean, I personally, I think Armada is the sickest ski company <laughs> ever. And that my first powder ski was the JJ with the wolf on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, my first winter in canada i brought the, those skis over and it was just the sickest time ever <laughs> <laughs> and then 
I mean, like for me to be on Armada is super sick. And Daniel Rimbach uh, helped me. Uh, we were went shooting a couple times, and he was like, "You, you're really good skier, and you would be a great fit for them." And then I made a ski edit and sent it to them, and also sent my PDF file to them. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so for me, it was just I love their skis. I would honestly never ski for a brand that I don't like to skis. I skied on Black Crows before. I also really like their skis. Yeah. Um, I mean, Armada is just next level. <laughs> what are I you think. skiing on mostly? Like, what ski are you on mostly now? The JJ. Nice. <laughs> it's so fucking sick. I love that ski. I love the name. And it's cool because Armada makes the women's skis in, like, longer lengths. That's yeah. so brands doesn't do which i think is dope yeah for sure it's uh it's interesting to see brands start to navigate like the differences between women's skis and men's skis now like it's everybody's kind of trying to figure out what that means does do they actually need to be different do they just need to be different graphics like does does it matter right like or should like fisher started to take the approach where it's like we're just gonna make one ski two graphics and make them full range like full size range so it's it i don't envy brands trying to figure that out right now because i don't have like a solid answer but to me it seems like they should just be you, you want different graphic there's different graphic options available you know one bright one one muted one sure whatever the sizing thing though it's like why wouldn't you just make the skis in most sizes same issue with ski boots right it's like just make the stuff so that people can buy it when they need it yeah 100 percent. i agree but i also think like sometimes i think the unisex thing is awesome if it's done the right way but sometimes right. i feel like so many products in the ski industry is made by men for men so it's mm. the unisex thing use that you know right, right, but right. Then then I don't know if skis has to be specifically made towards women and towards men. I don't know. It's cool at Armada. They always ask, like we have meetings with all the women and we say what we think about the skis and they do the same with the men. And like, maybe we want different things. Maybe we don't, but then you get that feedback. And I think if you make mm -hmm. unisex skis, you definitely, I hope that they all have a lot of input from female athletes. Cause that's important, I think. And like the more stuff that is like custom made towards women, I think it's a good thing. If yeah. then like not to shrink it, pink it type of thing, but when they listen to professional female athletes and also non-professional skiers and what do they want? Um, Cause I yeah. think a lot of don't do that. And then they just like, boom, unisex. And it's like, well, <laughs> did you yeah. put in the work for it? You know? Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's that's an important distinction to make and it, it absolutely has validity. And like from a physiological standpoint, like I don't know how much it actually makes a difference. Like I think the opinion and the body weight and the way like the ski style makes a difference for sure. Like, yeah. for example, like usually someone 115 pounds doesn't want to ski a ski with two sheets of metal in it. Like it's just it's not what most people want, regardless of gender. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make, like, I have a yeah. good friend of mine who's, like, a way better skier than me, but he weighs 125 pounds. It's like, I ski a ski with two sheets of metal all the time, and I don't even think about it. But if he goes and skis a ski with two sheets of metal, it's like he put two sleds on his feet, and they go in a straight line, and they go in a straight line only, you know? So, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, different. Yeah, that's it. 
too. And like, I don't even know if it makes a difference, like the female body versus the male body. But yeah. I still think it's really important to have the input from sure. both men and women when you make a ski. Yeah, that seems like a no-brainer, right? Like, that seems like a thing that just should happen. Like, it, we shouldn't even have know, to say that. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I, know. I had this one friend working with a ski boot company. And they were like, there's six guys designing the ski boots. And they were like, yeah, when we're doing the uh, women ones, I used to ask my girlfriend what she thinks. She skis a couple times per year. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, come on. It's not hard. Yeah there people are available like women are available like everybody's available to like have and everybody wants their input heard it's not like there's Mm -hmm. a shortage of people that want to feel like they're they're offering something to the table no 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 not at all yeah and that's a thing that like there's a real progressional rate not that people shouldn't get paid for it but like i will say like there's there's validity to just like offering your opinion and like testing skis and like being like here this is this is beneficial to everybody because like here's what i feel right that's a thing that is much more accessible than like being a sponsored athlete and i think most skiers are just skiers they're not like the percentage of like professional level athletes to regular skiers is the gap is so different. And I've always found that very weird in skiing where they don't like the test subject is not the person that's usually paying retail for the ski. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is so true. It's bizarre because we need as an athlete or like what Sammy Carlson needs as an athlete is not the same as what like my mom needs. But no. I sell more skis. I, well, yeah, who knows? But like maybe my mom is ripping and she's just not telling me. But exactly. I you never know. <laughs> but like there's more moms buying skis out there, especially like for themselves or for whatever reason than professional athletes. So why don't we focus more on that like that product that people actually buy, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's very strange yeah definitely um perfect. Sorry, my phone. i'm just gonna plug my phone in here before no you're good <laughs> um that's basically that's basically all i had for you anyway um so i've got a few things uh what yes. where can people find you online where can people find you on any social platform you want them to find you at um, and you said you have a new project coming out soon. So tell people a little bit about that and where they can find it. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Malou Peterson. <laughs> and you can also find me on YouTube at Kaisa Malou, I think. Kaisa and Malou. I don't know. It's, or KM Something Days. Something like that. <laughs> I haven't uploaded there in a while. Um, and... My new project is called The Joy of Skiing, and it's about the joy of skiing. And uh, it will be shown at the EF Tree Festival. Sick. And then it will go online end of October, maybe? I haven't decided. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) But then it will be on YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. I have three end of the the week this week. Uh, Yes, exactly. Awesome. Um, Well, thank you for the time. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope I didn't say like too many times in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Um, I think I think it was okay. You and me both.